your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Landon here with Lou Blassie. 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 What do I always call you? I don't know. What do you always call Lou Blassie, I think I say. It's fine. So all Close these enough. years, I've been calling you Lou Blassie, and last week you were springing on me. That's not how you pronounce your name. You never corrected no, me. No, I didn't spring it on you. Don't say I, I didn't correct you. I said my name. <laughs> And then you said, oh, is that how you spell your name? Uh, say your name. Was that really how it went? I think that was how it oh, went. Okay. Yep. I'm not sure, but I'll go with it. It's all right. I've been called worse <sighs> this morning. Well, we can't say those things on air. By relatives. Well, that's because there's relatives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Um, so anyway, hi. How are you? Hi. We're um, still in Mental Health Awareness Month. That's right. And um, not only that, but before we start about that, God, it's hot in here. Speaking of hot, it is... Warm outside here in Massachusetts. Good morning, Joe. Um, it's so warm here in Massachusetts. And apparently this weekend, I haven't had a May day like this before. I can't remember. It's going to be 103 degrees on Saturday. It is not. Huh? Is it? Yeah, I, I'm lying. <laughs> yes. You and I are the same person. It's exactly the response I'd have. <laughs> Why would I, I say saw I'm 80s. Lying? I saw high 80s. 100? It said 100. It, the high of 103. Wow. And Sunday's supposed to be in the 90s. Lord. And last Saturday, as you know, it was like death. Yep. Well, you live, I'm sorry, you live on the beach with an ocean breeze. So ocean breeze. You probably had 35 like mile an hour ocean breeze. What? It was a 35 mile an hour ocean breeze. Yeah. Well, we had the 35 mile an hour wind too, whipping yeah. around the yard. Yep. Which, by the way, the pollen for everyone that lives up here in New England has been brutal and I couldn't see half the weekend because I was draining. <laughs> not that you need that image, but I was like, oh, my God. It was awful. No, warm weather is not good for me anymore. You what? The warm weather is not good for me anymore because Why? the girls just can't deal with it. They have very low temperature tolerance. So, uh -huh. so there's all kinds of issues. <laughs> just, okay. It's a bad vibe when it gets hot. Okay. Yeah. You're weird. I know. In, in a good way. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyway, so it's going to be very warm here and it's a beautiful day today. And <clears throat> today's the first day I haven't had to take any allergy medication, but clearly it's coming because I'm in the studio Something and you just told studio. me that these foam pads have been here for like 40 years, which means that they probably haven't been vacuumed and they're just holding in all the, uh. but how would pollen get, is it just dust or it's not pollen, right? Yeah. You're in here all the time. You probably bring it in all your clothes like a bee. Like you can drop pollen everywhere. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's gotta gotta blame it on me. Somehow it's gotta come around to me. Always. Yeah. Always. Um, anyway, so it is still mental health awareness month. God May's long. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I had all planned out, as you know, every week I was gonna do something specific and it always gets derailed because things happen in the world. And um I've had many people, and just like you today said, when are we gonna talk about blah blah blah? And I said today, yeah. because I reserved the right two weeks ago, I believe, to say I will not be commenting on the mental health and the mental status of the people in the most insane jury trial thing going on that I've seen in quite some time yep. until I hear all sides. And now I have heard all sides. Okay. And so <clears throat> here comes the allergies. Here. Oh, excuse yep. me while I <clears throat> clear my throat. Okay. Now I um, haven't taken a deep dive because I've been relying on you. So. 
you have you have taken a deep dive. I haven't you? taken a deep oh. dive on you know I I read the headlines and I watch oh. and stuff like that, but I don't get into the details. Well, so I have been. I see these are the things. That's like watch. It's like the emergency room. You know how people that are emergency room doctors love to see people come in with like all the you know they're bleeding out. Do they? <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. I mean, they have a pen, you know, they have a. It's the fire horse thing, right? Right. That's your job. So. Right. So yeah. I am very, you know, in, you know, curious and yep. I'm trying to find the right words for it, but I have lots of insight to what yeah. is going on because this is what I do for a living. So, well, so what, if you guys don't know by now what we're talking about, we're talking about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. And I have been watching um after i've been at work all day that's how i find my entertainment so if you don't want to watch bad things happening in ukraine and all the yeah. awful terrible shootings that have been going on because that's also a mental health issue that needs to be addressed um you can watch for entertainment and sadness and complete shock the trial of johnny depp and amber heard and if people are not following it and don't care it is a mental health issue because there's some mental health issues going on in the trial. With so you watch the actual testimony, like you get in oh, there and yes. watch the testimony? Oh, yes. Well, I can't make an informed commentary uh, on enough. things if I'm not yep. watching it. I do tend to go down the, t there's a TikTok rat hole of <laughs> clips. <laughs> yes, there is. And I, you know, when you have to catch up really quick and you get people out there in TikTok world make a very easy for you to catch up on what you've missed on the highlights because yep. they make all the highlight reels and then make fun of the highlights. Um, but so if, in case people that are listening don't know, it's not a mental health issue just for the trial alone. The fact is, is that there's some identified, self-identified mental health issues going on in these two people that are suing and countersuing each other. So if people don't know, let me give you a quick update. Johnny Depp was married to Amber Heard. Amber Heard, and he had what I would call a very tumultuous, toxic relationship, somewhat dark, at least on surface and on depth mm -hmm. of what they both report in different ways. Um, substance abuse issues on one side, for sure. Lots of abuse in their childhoods. I mean, they have like the standard. In other words, a Hollywood marriage. Yeah, but with a little extra. Yeah. <laughs> a little. There's a little extra yeah. on this one. Um, and, uh, you know, and I don't think it's, um, it's not like, anything out of the range of some of the mental health issues that happen to lots of people, because I, this is what I see. So this is why I was really interested in it. Cause I work with people in addiction. I work with relationships like this. I work with domestic violence. I work with people with trauma. So it's not ooh, out of my wheelhouse. So, but this is like a perfect storm of, wow, these two people shouldn't be together. Mm -hmm. And so Amber Heard wrote an op-ed piece or gave an op-ed piece uh, years ago, a few years ago. And, implied essentially for lack of better terms that it was johnny depp who she was talking about about domestic violence against her <laughs> and i'm i'm laughing because i'm listening to the testimony she gave yesterday in my head that was a lie from for perjuring herself from two weeks ago but nonetheless yeah. um and johnny depp countersued so this is a civil suit yes yeah, so yeah. i mean she countersued so he count he's suing her yeah. for 50 million dollars for defamation she's countersuing for 100 million dollars so, so, you know, she, the first week and a half of testimony was essentially him. And then she got on the stand and did a little bit like right at the end. Then they had a break, which I don't know why they took a break. I didn't follow why that happened. But then. And then they she, brought the friends in. And oh, oh yes. It's been, <laughs> which yes. is always reliable testimony. Um, well, well, it's interesting because yeah. and we'll get to that. So yeah. because the friends are 
all friends to now anymore, but it's not because of this, but you know, yep. all together. But so then now they're, they've been doing the cross examination of her this week that started on Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first two days were compelling because I hadn't seen, I've seen her testify from her side, but when they did the cross-examination is when you see the other side of Amber come out. Right. So if you're watching Johnny Depp's scene appears, he's consistent across the board. Like he, from one side to the next, I mean, he's very consistent. I mean, he's kind of snarky because the other side, her attorneys don't seem to have their crap together right. and they make a lot of missteps and there's a lot of stuff going on there, but nonetheless, he stays solid. She, when she was testifying, in the initial phase for herself with her attorney was, you know, it's hard to watch someone when you're, um, when you know what trauma is and when you know what personality disorders are and you know what kind of anxiety and depression look like and how people with domestic violence, for instance, or mm -hmm. people with trauma, how they report it and how they act about it consistently across the board, whether it happened 20 years ago or a week and a half ago, right. there's a very specific way that people report it and how it comes out and how it sounds. And if you watch her, she, I wouldn't, she definitely would not win an Academy Award for her <laughs> acting skills because it's so forced. And having worked for 27 years in the business yep. officially, it doesn't feel like it's real. And in fact, there were several psychologists, one in particular that came out that did testing and evaluation on her that actually concurred with my, mm -hmm. <laughs> my thought and my diagnostic assessment just watching is that it's not, there's nothing authentic about it. There's clearly abuse on both sides and admittedly that there was some stuff there and that you can hear it in their tapes and all that. But to the extent that she's reporting of how she's reporting is just not there. So I think there's a lot of um, personality disordered behavior coming from the from her side. And I but think to add it in, and I'm sure you did to add it in when she's being um, examined by her attorneys, a lot of that is prepared testimony. Yes. Well, yeah. when she and when she when she gave her testimony on her side, yes. Yes. The the you know the cross examinations happening this week which is you're watching, right. she's getting very flustered and very agitated and um, she's crumbling right. a little bit. Yep. Well, a lot more than a little bit because she didn't get prepared for that. And she mixes words on purpose. She, you know, yep. and that's what happens. I mean, it just happens. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at these, these two individuals, you have two individuals that probably shouldn't have gotten married, but they did, and which happens in people all the time. And when you bring such intense mental health issues in individuals together and they fire up that they were probably together too long. Yeah. And and um, there's so many things going on. So you've got um, what I wanted to focus on today was there's, you know, personality disorders are prevalent in trauma. And she has trauma, but I would say that there's not the trauma that she, it's not the trauma that was really in the marriage versus the trauma that she brought into the marriage and he brought into the marriage. And then they kind of festered off each other. So the personality disorders, you know, that, that histrionic, which is the drama, mm -hmm. right? Really dramatic personality disorder that she has. And he has that too. 
as as he's Jack Sparrow, you can tell, right? Yep. He has a little bit of that in in him. That was going to be one of my questions. How much does he act, and how much he's seeing Johnny Depp? Because well, think, all of his characters are disturbed. Right. Well, he plays dark characters like Edward Scissorhands, and if you look yep. at his history of like his characters, for the most part, they all have a little bit of that dark nuanced dark but likable just yeah. off but lovable yeah right um because everyone loves jack sparrow right? right so so any actor and being that i've worked in the acting world brings pieces of themselves you have to draw on to build the character but you also have to go to those places to find those things it's hard to tell with johnny depp whether or not he where the lines start and stop for yeah. him, obviously yeah. right for her it's <laughs> For her, it just seems really clear that, you know, there's an on and off switch mm -hmm. um, and she's on and she's off and she says one thing and then says another. You don't see that or hear that in his testimony. Doesn't make him, you know, maybe less or more of a personality sort of person. But what it says is that there might be more credibility to him than her. I don't think watching both of them, I do not believe that they're without abuse to each other. Mm -hmm. Clearly, they've done things. But to the extent that she's reporting on him, I would say that normally I would come, I, I'm going to get probably nailed for this, but, you know, people always like, oh, women and the victims. 99.9% .9 of the time, if not 100% of the time, I'm always going to come down on the female side because it's so insidious in many ways. And it doesn't have to be just physical abuse. It's so many different types of abuse. But I'm not Team Amber right now. I'm much more leaning towards Johnny Depp just because of so many of the personality disordered things I'm seeing in her and also then I heard the testimony of the expert witnesses that actually see saw her and then actually came to the same conclusion and I didn't test her and I still came to the same conclusion watching yeah. her that there's such deep-rooted mental health issues um, which does not make her a bad person what it does though is it makes her not a good pet match to him and I think that if we just step back and not looking at who's going to win money and who's telling truth it's just more that the compatibility sometimes in people when there's trauma and, and lots of uh, abuse of substances and um, the personality disorders and things like that. And then family histories and people pitting each other against each other and then friends getting involved and, and bodyguards and yeah. whoever else, you know, in, in those big higher end cases, it's, um, it's, it's not authentic. It's not real. So it just ups the ante for so many things. And it's such a sad case when you really look at the two of them together. It, it, you know, it's intriguing and it's fun and it's entertainment in so many ways to get you out of your head to watch that. But it's actually really sad to watch the intense pain that will focus on both of them. Like he won't look at her in court. And he said specifically that he will never look at her ever again after 2016 directly in the eye. So when they test when he, when she, Amber Heard testified yesterday, the, they asked her, do you know why he doesn't look at you in the face? And she, her thing was, well, because he's guilty, he knows he's lying, all this stuff. Right. Yep. But in fact, they played the tape and said, is this not what happened in 2016? And he hasn't looked at you since. And she said, you know, yes. Yep. So he's staying to what he said. I'm not going to do this after all the things you've said about me and done to me. So he's staying true to that. Whereas she's trying to lead people down this feel sorry for me thing that he's not looking at me because he's done all these things. And it's, you know, who, who knows, there's gotta be some truth in there somewhere and whatever, but it still comes down to so many of the emotional pieces that people go through that, um, you know, when they feel abused, 
in childhood and they bring it into their adulthood and then they carry it forward. Um, you know, she has a history of, Amber has a history of reportedly and allegedly several other domestic violence of her against men in other relationships, but Johnny does not. And he's had many out, outwardly open relationships yep. with very famous people that have said that never occurred or existed in our relationship. So, you know, you wonder, cause you see the tapes, you hear the tapes, they, they certainly admittedly and, and seemingly have some clash together. Um, so they're a bad match um, with their trauma. So I don't know if, if they were other, with other people, if it would happen again, my guess predictably in psychology, forensically, Amber Heard goes to another relationship. This is likely to happen again because yeah. she's very needy. The borderline personality disorder, which is a huge piece of what I see in her, which is tumultuous relationships, very emotionally dysregulated. Um, you know, I love you. I hate you. I, you know, breaking restraining orders. I wanted to see you one more time. Like there's yeah. a lot of neediness that that comes all stem from very fractured childhood and early young adult, your early young adolescence where she's either been, emotionally abused or sexually abused in an early life or things where she's probably more likely to be borderline personality disorder, which we use, we used to call it all the time, the kiss of death diagnosis, because it just follows you everywhere because right. it's just such a insidious bad. And I air quote that bad diagnostic. Um, we, we, we tend not to diagnose people with personality disorders without a lot of uh, frame of reference, especially that one. It's very rare to do that. Um, but she's been, She's been diagnosed with that, uh, seemingly. Um, and I would agree with the diagnostic on it after watching her um, because you feel it, you see it. And then um, the the way she presents and the way that um, she's, you know, clearly wanting, it feels like she wants him back. And that's... really. Yeah, there's an underside of it that's interesting if you watch, and, and you haven't probably, but if you watch it, she he, she looks at him a lot. She's looking, and it's not in a way to look at him because she's angry or she, you know, if you mm -hmm. it's a, not out of spite, it's looking to see if he'll look at her because, you know, it's that, that last ditch effort of if you just look at me and say, you, you're sorry, I love you. It's got that little piece of I'm still connected to you, which yep. is some of the darkness that you see in their relationship. Um, and I think he stays the course. If he does his thing, that's probably in his best interest to stay out of her space because it just triggers him. And, and you can see it when they're, when she's testifying, you can see the triggering in his body for some of the stuff, like if she's lying or if she's exaggerating or if she's telling the truth, you can see his body movements yep. and, his, and his way of being changed. Um, being a psychologist, we learn to read a lot of this stuff in the body language and how it impacts. And so um, the, the treatment for personality disorders, um, you know, is usually like dialectical behavior therapy. There's a very famous clinician here. Her name is Marshall Linehan that took cognitive behavioral therapy and added the D and made it dialectical behavior therapy. So it's got the two sides, the dialect. So you're, you're really doing mindfulness-based um mindfulness-based techniques to help a person move through their emotional dysregulation and their ability to have a relationship with someone that doesn't feel so needy, codependent, clingy, you know, that fawn kind of like newbie kind of thing that is just, yeah. I'm always rejected and I need your love and please love me. And if I don't get the love, then I'm going to go really extreme on you. And um, so DBT helps and 
obviously some medication can help. I have no idea if she's getting any treatment, but I highly recommend it. I know he's gotten treatment because he got clean and sober from opiates and all kinds of other things that were clearly impacting his ability to function with her in the marriage. Um, but overall, right now, I'm looking at it and if because people keep saying, what do you think? What is going to happen? I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win the suit against her. And um, I don't know if he'll win the whole $50 million because I think there's going to be a little bit of, you know, I don't know how they'll, I don't know how they're going to bring it to the jury. I know there's three separate sections, but right now from what I've seen and from what I've heard of the judge and then just my own professional opinion, I think he's, he's going to win because it just, Glad I'm not on the jury. That's you but, know, it, but it strikes me that this whole thing is a show anyway, because liability is so hard to win. I don't think he went in looking to win the suit. It's a very difficult statute to pass. It's a, a with a jury trial, it's a little bit easier because you can sway a jury. But from a legal standpoint, liability is extremely difficult to prove. Right. So I think he went in, and I understand his reasoning. He went in. There was all this uh, dial dialogue out there about his actions, and this was a public stage for him to respond to it. Right. And in that case, I, I think he won. Right. You know, he's won the court of public opinion. There's no doubt about that. Right. But from her standpoint, it's fascinating that she did the op-ed piece. Do domestic abuse victims often go public and seek out additional attention? Usually they're kind of ashamed of it and kind of hiding it, right? So, so that's one of the things that, you know, that stuck out to me before she even started doing her her cross-examination that when they took the break, I was, you know, thinking about, um, well, and I thought about that the first week. She and the countersuit is just sort of, oh yeah. About it yeah. like that. Yeah. And she had done a piece. She, well, I'm not sure of all the details, but there was a piece in people magazine that her pictures, these bruised pictures and this little article had come out about them having a, you know, marriage trouble. This was before the op-ed piece was ever written. Or that she right participated around. in. Did she, and she got pulled out yesterday as, yeah as being, yes, she got called out for participating in it when in fact she had said she hadn't participated. Yeah. It was someone else that gave the photo. Like clearly yeah. it came out that she participated in it, which goes to the personality disorder diagnostic of like borderline of like wanting him. It's, it's a weird thought that she'd do that. And that would be an effort to get his attention to bring him back. But it's her. public opinion leveraging, right? It's like, everybody right. thinks you abuse me. You should too. It, it's uh, my argument isn't enough. I got to bring in a lot of people. Right. Yeah. And and one would think that after you hear her testimony that her argument isn't enough because it's, it's, you know, that two standard deviations away from like what you would hear normally from someone. There's a forced cry about it. There's a lot of rhetoric. There's a lot of flip-flopping and testimony on her. Like mm -hmm. two weeks ago, she talked about um, that she, that she admitted essentially, I mean, I'm, paraphrasing this but she admitted that she wrote the op-ed and it was really about him mm -hmm. who's you know you yep. know yeah which is the whole thing but yesterday in court when she was cross-examined she very specifically said that the op-ed piece was not about him and that it was just johnny's ego getting in the way and making uh, it all about him yeah so within two weeks time and of course they his attorney the female attorney is amazing and she called it out and and it was obvious that within a two-week period of time you know, she's turned it into making it yep. about him thinking that he's never, that she's never spoken before about this and she's losing track of 
what she has said in her depositions and from time to time and using different words. And she says that she uses words synonymously, like I pledged $7 million to the yeah. ACLU versus I actually donated it and have already paid it. She was asked repeatedly just for an answer yesterday, yes or no. And she kept mincing words with stuff. And she finally got herself caught up because yep. she had said one thing in one part of the trial. And now she's saying another, and then she got caught up in it. But at the end of the day, it's still, she's looking for that public opinion. She's looking for the approval. It's like you're looking for the family, family love or the attention and affection she never got, not only from the public eye, but also, you know, in her professionalism, because I can't imagine this is going to help her career at all after this. No. And then she still is doing that from Johnny, looking at him saying, why won't you look at me on the stand yesterday? And she was, you know, that doe-eyed look of like, why won't you look at me after just saying he won't look at me because he knows he's guilty and he's lying in like a little angry tone, but then turned it around in a soft tone and said, why won't you look at me? So, yeah. you know, she, you assume you can speculate, which you can't do in court, that she's still pulling for some of that because she wants after all these years, because I guess they haven't seen each other or talked to each other in, since 2016, she still wants that engagement with him and he's not doing it, which is smart because yeah. he's pl he's playing the healthier role, whether it's coming naturally to him, I'm not sure, but definitely. Well, some people can't stand to be wrong. They need to be right, regardless of what her. right is. But right. is this... um the whole op-ed piece in the beginning of this was this a variation of the flying monkeys where i want everybody to feel the same way about him that i do because that will validate my position well it never named him specifically in the op -ed i know piece. but everybody knew but it was yeah, everyone's like oh yeah. it's clearly him and you know and she made a big point about it being like that that she was in that relationship i think that it had something to do with that i also just think it was very attention seeking which goes to that borderline personality yep. disorder um and also in a weird way, and we've talked about this on other shows, that it's a way of controlling and gaslighting him to get him closer so that, or to bring him back so that it would be a way that it would shut everything down and say, okay, I can't have her saying those things about me. I can't have that. So I'm going to go back and just clear this out and make it okay. Um, long shot, obviously, totally unrealistic, unreasonable, not rational, totally out there. But she might have been conscientiously doing that and just straight up or she might have been doing it subconsciously many many people do that i see several times a year in my office people doing those kinds of things we call it for secondary gain it's the really unhealthy thing to do but they'll gaslight or they'll do something in a way to get a person to come back to them even in the most toxic situations and, well, and as we've talked about people in the absence of positive attention will will take negative attention exactly yep. and that's where i think this yep. is in this in this space and i think it's been in that space for a while which makes because this is connection to him right it's, it's not right it's not optimal connection to him but it's better than no connection exactly to him. yeah and now it's even like i mean this is going to be this is going to go down in history as probably one of the most famous you know hollywood marriage cases of like of all time and big yep. kind of you know and she didn't really have that kind of fame She's right. Always, you know, there's never been. She's in a huge spotlight that she's never had before. That's why I'm saying, like, I'm I'm imagining the career. This is a career ender for her, where I think it's going to be a booster for him. Whereas he got a lot of Disney backed out on him, and he specifically did say, "I will never work for Disney again." On his, like he said, if they came back to him and said, "Oh, please do the yeah. sixth Pirates," he said, "No." They asked him on the stand if they offered you three hundred million dollars, you'd go back, and he says, "No, I don't think I would." Nope. Because because he felt betrayed. So there's a and good for him because, you know, here's the thing about. Well, um, he wasn't betrayed. 
Was it? He wasn't betrayed. We felt betrayed that he was judged before it came out of what really was. Well, going I know, on. but they in the cultural environment, from Disney's standpoint, in the cultural environment, mm -hmm. from a, again a business decision standpoint, they couldn't. They didn't feel they could work with him. I think the situation has changed. I think this is his big win. I don't know how the court case turns out. Like I said, libel is extremely hard to prove. Right. But from the standpoint of people being able to work with him again, I think people would feel comfortable working with him again. Where they, they wouldn't would have. Wouldn't. They would. Oh, yes. Where they wouldn't have, you know, a year ago. And I and I agree. And I think that's, I, I think that's such an important point, which I was going to talk about in terms of the mental health piece is um, a couple of pieces you said before, like women, people who have domestic violence in them or have had that on them as victims, they tend not to report about it. Or if they do, it's in a very specific way. And it's not like she has done um, and how she continues to report it in a way that just doesn't seem connected to re reality yeah. of what domestic violence looks like. Oftentimes you're extracting it as opposed to them offering it out. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, if you're watching her, because I, I, I want to come back to the other point, if you're watching her, it's so forced. And people with trauma like that, it's not forced. It's It, it just, right. it, there's a very specific set of factors that line up consistently in all trauma victims like that over and over again. I've seen it many, many times. It looks the same. People don't ever have to know each other. It just, it's a, a human nature way of dealing with that type of trauma. And to the other side of this, and this is one of the reasons why I said, oh, I'm probably going to get knocked for this because I'm <laughs> team Johnny male, right? Yeah. One of the hardest things that people are, I think that they're having a hard time with this is that men are not typically seen as being perpetrated against. They are the perpetrator. And there actually are quite a number of men who are domestically violenced against and one, don't report it. And this is this is well known in at least in forensic psychology. They don't report it because that makes them look weak, right? Uh, you know, and I and I've personally seen multiple men over the years that have been. I have I had a client, God rest his soul now, but and he didn't die from domestic violence, but I think it contributed to it. His his wife, who became his ex wife, he got drunk one night and was annoying her, and she hit him on the back of the head on the stairway going out of their house with a foot bat, with a baseball bat. Oh my God. And wow. put him into a coma for three months. And right. Wow. So, and I knew that, but because he was my client, but he didn't report it other than he, she didn't get in trouble for it. He said he fell, but I knew what happened and, and he didn't report. And I think that that's, I don't only think it, but I know this is what gets reported by the domestic violence coalitions in the country that men under-report or don't report because of the embarrassment issue, because of the stigma that would come with them that, oh, you're a woman's beating you up and all right. these things are, you know, or they've been trained, you know, don't, you don't hit women. So they'll tolerate a female attacking them, hitting them, doing whatever to them. I mean, there's so many pieces that go with this social norm piece of it's, it's supposed to be the reverse. No one thinks of a man being abused by mm. a female. And in fact, it's, probably much more light, not much more likely. It's, it's more common than one would think in, because I'm in a self-selected um, career where I see people with issues. I see it because people come and talk about it. And there's domestic violence programs up the wazoo for men to go to an anger issue programs for men to go to for being the perpetrator. 
there's only a few for men as support. Um, and, you know, there's, uh, there's been a little bit of a push here and there in different states to have more support in for men. There's domestic violence hotline that men can call into now. There's like seven or eight different places that you can call into that are not just female specific. Um, but it's still, I've seen some good research in the past year or two, still men are not reaching out to talk about or to get help no, or to a, report. It's emasculating. We, right. Yeah. Because it takes away from the masculinity. It makes them look bad. They don't want people to know. Very similar to women. Women are embarrassed. They don't want people to know, but for a little different reason. Yep. Um, you know, and, and that's before we get to emotional abuse right. of, of women, of men, emotional abuse. Yeah. Right. So there's so many things going on there in terms of, you know, relational stuff in the mental health issues. And then after it does happen and then how there's mental health issues around reporting and aftermath and whether one stays or not. Um, certainly, certainly some people can get rehabilitated and stay in their relationships and marriage. That does happen. Yeah. And I seen it and I worked with people and it's very common for some people, but that is not the norm because most people like we're talking about Amber and Johnny Depp, that they come with such horrific baggage that, you know, the, the, but it's interesting she felt the need to go public with it right and that forced him to defend himself because men will in a if the abuse stays within the relationship right it will stay within the relationship right. but there's a point where a man feels he needs to defend himself right yeah right and i and i think that that's so i think that's one of his the highlights for him in his authenticity of being a truth teller at this point is because he had a choice at in this time period before he brought the suit against her that he had to make a decision of knowing I'm going to be outed for a lot of things, knowing all the things that were going to come out. And he's very clear on what he admits to and making the decision, knowing that it's going to be out there. And he was told numerous times, I would imagine he was told this is going to be difficult for you because yes. everyone presumes the male abused the female. Yes. Right. I would this imagine is, this is going to be a tall hill for you to climb. And he probably was at the point, he feels like he was at the point where I just got to, I got to tell my version. Right. Yeah. Right. Because, and, 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 and I think it's to his credit and, and I, and I, you know, and I give her credit too, because she's standing her ground, right. Of what she believes in and what she feels happened. I definitely don't, I, I definitely think she was abused and I definitely think she abused him. And it's a matter now of like, should she have written about it? Should she have added it? Like, yeah. That's were, the question. That's, yeah. that's the thing is, you know, she, clearly wrote the op-ed piece or contracted in to have this op-ed written about domestic violence that she's a survivor of, but then isn't owning up now. She was, but now not owning up that it's written about him. Yeah. And clearly the whole trial has been about how all these incidents of what she's been in through, which what was that op-ed piece? Where was she when the decision was made to write, to go public and write the op-ed piece? I, so I've missed, I, they did talk about it in the trial and I've missed yeah. that. That was at the very beginning of like, what has, I, they asked her questions about that, of like what drew, drove that. I'm not, and I don't know how to answer that because I didn't yeah. get all that. Piece because it, I wonder what was going on in her head because that's not a door. I mean, I suppose she probably could anticipate a lot of sympathy and a lot of support, but not necessarily. That wasn't clearly what the outcome was going to be here. Well, so I, so I think it goes. Or I should get support and sympathy from the hardos on that position. In other words, people would just react 
uh, they do a knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, she was abused. She's a woman. She was abused. So I support her without looking into the details. Well, I think on, I think on, there's, there's multiple levels of this. Yeah. I think that there's so many, I, cause I, you know, in just watching her, I think that there's that. Mm -hmm. I also think that there is really a piece of this to um, undermine his career because he hurt yeah. her by, by them getting divorced, by them having these issues, her career suffered because now she doesn't have him as the, you know, he's bigger than her. He's, yeah, you know, he has star power. He, you know, has it you know he's an it guy and she's married to him you know i think that there's some of that kind of get back at him spite attack back um and i do think that in that weird kind of sick and twisted dark sense of way this is what people do i'm going to put it out there and it somehow will gain garner me affection from the world but it will also somehow draw him back hmm. and i know that sounds really weird but people think like that hmm. it's it it's the he'll feel bad for me, which is what you're seeing in court a little bit. And I don't know if lots of people are picking that up if they're not in the, in this business, but I, I mean, anybody with a, just a good ear and eye watching her yesterday, she's, you know, she keeps looking at him from her spot on the stand directly in front of, and then speaking to the jury and to him at times with soft voice, like she's changing it around. So it's, yeah. it says to me, she's really trying to engage him and he, and if if I were consulting, I'd be like, stay the course, don't look at her, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. because it's just going to reengage and reignite something, and then it becomes another thing, you know. And and she, you know, she's already started with like if she comes off the stand and she walks by him, the court bailiff has to be there because she's afraid of him and all this stuff. And <laughs> it's like he's going to attack such her. A in drama court. Yeah. piece, yeah. but that fits with that mental health issue of being that personal personality disordered person. That, that it's the histrionics, it's the drama. <laughs> they pull for the attention and everyone's talking about it clearly. Right. And it's fascinating. Well, personality disorder or legal team <laughs> and or legal team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think her legal team, uh, I don't think her legal team is that great. I, I don't think that, I don't think that they're helping her any. No, but the histrionics part of it, the having a bailiff yes. walk with her, that, that could be a legal team thing as well. It could be. Especially yes. in a jury trial. So yeah. yes, and here's the other thing that I think is an interesting piece for her for her um, legal team. They they keep showing her trying to engage. She's very disengaged from what's really going on in court, other than what's going on with him. She's always looking over at him and the jury. Um, and she admitted that yesterday. But when she engages with her team, and you watch, it's it's that nonverbal stuff that I watch for with like Johnny's team versus her team. Johnny's team and him are very engaged. I mean, you know, he you can tell it's it's a confident altogether team that's prepared, ready, knows where they are, knows probably what's coming, knows where he's going to get defamed, knows where he's going to get blasted. And you look over at her team and they don't pay attention to her. She like tries to pass notes to the, and they don't even they hmm. they push it away. They don't look at her. She didn't stand one morning when the court started and she got yep. a little chastised by her, her lead attorney, her primary, not the female. The female comes up, starts talking about things, get things confused. Like it's just a very disconnected thing, which actually feels like representative. I look at it as two families, two dysfunctional families. One is very much more functional than the other. And mm -hmm. her team is the family that's really not functional in the fact that they don't know the facts of her own team. They, they're all over the place. And so that speaks to me as this is how she's presented and they're presenting the dis disarray and the disorganized 
family member's side of the story, whereas the other side it may have disarray in the family, but they're much more together and much more right. healthy. So that's, you know, when you look at it as a psychologist, you're looking at like what's coming across as a healthier side and more believable, more credible, more, more healthy. That's loose, (laughs) but they're both unhealthy, but you know, that side is definitely they're owning what they do and they're going, it's not like he's denying everything. It's not like he's, but the things that are, you can tell too, when a reaction comes from someone, when they're being accused of something, you can tell non-verbally. If it's true, if it's true, or if it has some level of deceit to it, or if it's just a, does it feel it like because they're reacting like yeah. what? Does it feel like they're worried she'll be honest, and they and his team is happy he's just be honest? Yeah, they're yeah. just like just go with what it, yeah. you know what the honesty is, and yeah, and and it doesn't appear like that he's gotten caught up in any kind of lies. He's been very clear, you know, and it's just a falling apart space, which would I would imagine when we do this work anyway. You, you take a family history, I would imagine, given her report of how she was abused by her family, she it was a very bad environment growing up and so on and so forth, and so was his, but I think this continued to perpetuate all the way into her adulthood and just kept going on and on and on, and she didn't take and extract herself from it, whereas I think he did in his years, and he got away from his family. He started, be, you know, he went to Hollywood, and he was using drugs and alcohol very early on. She didn't do that, but she she went in the direction of, of her mental health issues. He went and utilized substances and other things to help his mental health issues. But it feels like, and I don't know him to any degree whatsoever, to any degree whatsoever, but just from what, you, what you've gathered, what you're able to intuitively gather, it feels like, and oftentimes with family history, people will go, they will swim in it or they will go the other way. Right. And he feels like he's gone the other way. It's like he's kind of looking, looking to get away from it, looking for peace, looking for. Right. And and, and, and in his testimony, which is to his credit, is. Realizes he's flawed, but he's looking for. And that he didn't want to, you know, that was, you know, they asked him many questions about his drug and alcohol use, which is where a lot of the domestic violence was around. It was centered around that in the, in the testimony that him getting clean and sober he didn't want to get clean and sober because it was hard to deal with life on life's terms, his, his report, which is common report of people in addiction, as you know. Yep. Then he got sober and has been sober ever since. I do believe that he still has a little dabble in wine. That's what I heard yesterday. But in terms yep. of opiates and the heavier drugs and all the things that make him hallucinate and maybe be more aggressive or whatever, he got all away from that year, at least, at least five, six, seven years ago. Mm. So... And that was as a result of the intensity of their their connection together because he's quoted as saying, like, I have I want to do this for her because it's created such a, a bad space for her for her to be around me when I'm like this. Yeah. So I think that through that and he's gone to AA and NA and he's been doing program and he's got a team of people that work with him. I know that from what he reports, you know, he has a psychologist, he has people. He, and I think that that's been going consistently whereas i believe don't know for sure but hers has been in place as a result of she needed to have someone back up her story and what happened she had her psychologist come in and and other people that evaluated her and actually turned on her and said that she perpetrated violence against yeah and and reported that to the psychologist you you know when you're an expert witness as a person you have to tell what's there so i think that her her journey you know i talk about it being like a tunnel 
when people start their journey to do recovery work, they're supposed to go through the tunnel of darkness and get out the other side. And I think Johnny's on appearance and what he's reporting, he's probably on the other side and he's now working on the bigger repair. I don't think she started the tunnel. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> she's not in the tunnel. She's on the other side. She's hoping that whatever work she's it. doing is presentation for the case. Right. A presentation for the public persona. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think that it would be such a, a helpful, I, I hope she has a, a group of people around her, at least some one or two people that can really shore her up around the edges and say like, Hey, snap out of it. You really got to get help. Like take yourself out of the limelight of this. This is not healthy for you. Even if you were, and maybe it's all true. Maybe she was just beating the crap out of him and all these things are true and awful, but still you have to have a good support system around you. And I don't see it and I don't hear about it. Whereas you see the other side has, has that all in place way prior to this trial, way prior to anything happening. This takes me back to the op-ed though, again, because what's the gain for her at, before this trial existed, assuming let's assume she was abused and her right. story is legitimate right? and completely legitimate. What's the gain from re-engaging with him? What's the gain from bringing, bringing this public? Yeah. What was, I don't understand the motivation for the op-ed piece in the beginning. Other than what I've said is like, what would be the, uh, the right. motivation that was there? I mean, I certainly don't know her motivation. I, I, I don't think she, I don't think she knows how to report her motivation, you know, yeah. but what I gave is the four, uh, four or five different ways that I would find that this would be motivating. I think on the surface, you know, if it was innocuous and it was not meant to be towards anyone at the surface, which obviously it was, it was just to maybe put it out there, maybe to help. I mean, you know, most people would say I was just trying to help other people. I was making it a point to maybe be like open about something that happened to me, blah, 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 or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But that's not what the, that's no. not what this comes out to be. But that I mean, usually that's what, you know, people make awareness about. They, they bring it out to say, hey, this is a phenomenon that happens out there. I've, I've lived it. I've survived it. I want to help anybody that yeah. wants to have help with it. But a Hollywood example is helping nobody, for one thing. For, for another thing, I like your tunnel analogy, because if you're on, if you're almost out of the tunnel, right. you don't turn around and go back. Right. Right. If you right. seriously want to work on this personally, right. you don't you don't dig it up again. You just, you deal with it. you in fact, you want to wrap that with a bow right. and move forward. Right. Right. And this just opened up another can of worms. And, and the thing, and so, and I tell this to, to my clients that are working on recovery specifically is that when you're getting better, three things happen. And so this is kind of one of my like trademark things is three things, three things happen. When a person's getting better, they do either get better with you, which is very rare. They stay the same which is more common. Mm -hmm. And then they regress and go backwards and try to pull you back yes. with them. That is the most common thing. Yes. People want you to still be miserable with them. They want you to stay in the trauma. They want, you know, miserable people like miserable company. Not Plus just, the codependent, they want to protect the codependency because right, if because you become healthy, you not only may not need them anymore, you right. reject their illness, their their problems. Well, right. Because it, yeah. it becomes an extension. Codependency has that extension of you to them. And it's that member long time back in January, I did the codependency thing on, I need you to need me to need you. And he doesn't need her. Yeah. And she, you know, if you hear a lot of the tapes, which are so sad for her, but you, I, there's compassion for her, not because of being beaten, but because she's so intensely even after she's accused him of something and then admitted on her tapes, I didn't punch you. I hit you 
you need to be a bigger man. I didn't do anything. I just hit you. And he's like, yeah, but I didn't touch you. Like, yeah. and then, and she's sitting there saying, but I love you. Like it's, it's yeah. such a duality that's so unhealthy to that point is right there. Just that one tape that I'm thinking of alone is, and he's saying, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this in my life anymore. I'm walking away. And her saying, every time you walk away from me, it just makes it worse. That's a very common mm-hmm. codependent pull in a relationship commentary. Well, that's exactly the fear of one side of a codependency getting healthier. Right, right. I so don't want he, this anymore. Right, him yeah. trying to be healthy and her saying, no, 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 please don't go away. That just makes it harder for me. You're abandoning me. You're doing all these things to me. And he's saying, no, I'm going away. I'm going to take three or four hours and I'll text you or call you and then we'll get back together and talk about this. And then she wouldn't let him leave. And he was calm, whereas she's not because here it is, is he's trying to do the right thing and not be accused of these things where she's trying to re-engage him, re-engage him, re-engage him. And, and she's doing it through like- Why was that on tape, by the way? Why was it on tape? Yeah. Because they got to a point in their relationship where they were basically taping everything on each other. <laughs> like there's a lot of tape and exactly. That's so, a red flag. <laughs> why? That's a red flag. Exactly. Yeah. And, and- Yes. And so <clears throat> she doesn't have one of the ones that stands out is she tapes him. I think it's his, the day that his mother might have died. Somebody in his family died and he was clearly upset mm-hmm. and she engaged him, but she had put her phone over on the side and was facing it towards the kitchen where he yeah. was. And she came in and she did a little antagonizing commentary. And then she played it off like what did I do and all this and he's like you know you had nothing happen to you today and out of context you would have thought that they were he he was talking about doing something to her but it was actually he had a death in the family yep. I believe and and she goads him a little bit not too much because she clearly knows it's on tape and she has her coffee mug in front of it and then she moves it while he's ranting and raving he comes over and that's where the whole you might have heard the reference of he poured a mega pint of wine yeah it was one of those old fashioned, like tall, thick glasses. He just poured wine, it, yep. you know, big, woo, got to make it Hollywood. Yep. It was just a glass of wine and he was angry. And, and then he caught that that was on tape. So he tried to push the phone away and she's like, see, this is what you do. You know, she set him up in my opinion. Yep. And then she's laughing about it. So a person who's well, anything, once against, the phone starts recording, everything is a setup. Right. Everything is a setup. It's right. all done for. Well, the... in that case, they didn't. Yeah. She didn't. He didn't know. But in these other cases, that's the one I'm saying. Like it was a setup. Yeah. And I meant both ways. Right. I yes. mean, everything is a setup. If so, you're recording but... it, you're recording it for a reason. You're trying to send a message. Right. And she, and he, he didn't know in that case, but yeah. in other cases, like the one I just talked about, where he, you know, that whole thing was going on, he made her perfectly aware every single time of, I'm recording everything that's happening. Yeah. And she went with it. Yeah. She didn't say no. She didn't decline because he was outward. She didn't. I haven't heard any tapes yet that she. So that was a best face. (laughs) Anyway. So that was a best face. Right. What she did. Right. Yeah. And that's the difference is like she caught him during a bad moment and it made it look like he was violent and attacking of her, which he got angry Mm -hmm. because he was taping. He was being taped without his permission and she was picking at him. And goading him to get violent. Yeah. Not it, neither of them were correct in the situation because it got it got heated. However, in all subsequent matters that I've seen, he warned her 
in a healthy way. Like I'm taping everything that happens. I'm taping it video, audio. I'm taping it because I can't trust. Yeah. And this is way prior to any of the thought that this was going to be a big deal, I believe, because it was early on, like 2013, 14. <laughs> I mean, before anything yeah. ever even came out that she was going to do something like an op-ed piece on him. Yeah. So there was definitely some signs there and he knew there was red flags. She, I think she knew there were red flags, but I think the codependency of the two of them, which is what I started at the top of the hour of people get into these perfect storms of toxicity and darkness in relationships. And, you know, it, and the pandemic actually, we thought, and I think if you go back to some of my earlier shows, when the pandemic started, I was like, oh, you know, drug use and alcohol use has gone up and all these things. Domestic violence was, that was a big concern that people were going to be abusive of their children more mm -hmm. because they were home more. And if you have an abusive household anyway, and you have them all home together that, you know, and also the domestic violence would go up. Um, surprisingly, I haven't seen big statistics of that happening. I think that if it's happened, people aren't reporting or it just hasn't been accumulated enough yet to be reported. But certainly they weren't, they weren't together during the pandemic, but you would just figure with that kind of intensity, more of that would come out. And <laughs> because there's so many codependent relationships and there's so many people with the drug use got, it went from like 17% up to 42% right. within that first year um, for opiate use uh, and alcohol. You know, the, you remember the whole thing about, don't we're not shutting down any of the liquor stores like everything else in the whole earth was shut down right. except for grocery stores and liquor stores because you couldn't put people in a position if they were an alcoholic into withdrawal because there wouldn't be enough beds for them to go into hospitals for rehab with all the people with COVID. right so i mean so and alcohol withdrawal is physically it, dangerous well and you could die yeah. from alcohol withdrawal yeah. so you know sort of a a jump and leap there but this is to the point of the mental health issues that are so prevalent and not just in the United States. This is, you know, Western culture, you know, uh, Eastern culture is a little different. Mm -hmm. um, but Western culture, by and large, has very common themes in it um, between relationships, personality disorders, anxiety disorders, codependency, addiction, trauma. Um, and it's really a combination of people that get together and how they bring their family life and their family baggage into their lives and how it works out. So... I would say that as a commentary about this case, it's a sad, I think it's a sad case. Um, besides the fact that, you know, obviously it's very entertaining. Um, it really, at the end of the day, is a really sad case for both of them. Because I think that both of them could have kept this under wraps for themselves as a privacy matter. Um, and done education on a community level or if that's what she really wanted to do or something like that, or made it really clear out of the beginning that it wasn't about him specifically. Cause yeah, you know, her, she has other charges of her being charged in domestic violence from other men in previous relationships, yep. also black marks against <laughs> her because that's uh, again, an unusual thing which she's trying to kind of dodge. Um, I don't think that's a role for Hollywood people anyway, because Hollywood relationships to main street, doesn't work. There's right. a lot of differences, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right. <laughs> I'm going to try to do it anyway. This is an, a good example of what happens on Main Street quite a bit, where you've got two people with profound background struggles from their upbringing, from past relationships, right. things like that. They get together and they don't have 
they don't have the wherewithal to handle their own struggles, right. let alone the struggles of a partner the too. Other person. Yeah. Which is why they say in AA, and you know this probably, is you don't date in program. No. Uh, is because it's it's it, if you're both in program, this is why. Yeah. Because this, you know, people who have addiction issues very often have trauma issues, either emotional, physical, or sexual, somewhere in there, and it disconnect from relationships. And so their whole goal is to relate, but they don't know how to relate. And that's why they've used the substance that they've used to get to the relationship of right. their choice. And then when they try to do it within a context of a person to person, they don't have the skill to do it and it blows up over and over again. So it's better to find, you know, it, you have better outcomes when you have a person that has none of that issue or minor parts of that issue and in it's, combination. You, you brought up, I think, which is the major point of this is that it is super rare for two people dealing with trauma issues, whether they be childhood trauma issues or just deep-seated trauma issues, to work together on their own issues at work simultaneously on right. their own age issues at the same time because there are dependencies issues that go and everyone has is on a different page different page on their path right right or they're right. somewhere in the tunnel or some right there are right. different parts of the tunnel right so it's just very difficult for you to work on your own stuff and then help your partner work on their stuff because right and then you put yeah. into and then if you put in like gender socialized roles right women are more likely nurturing to try to help a man and a man will become more needy because yep. that's what will be the very traditional roles of men, like not to be sexist, mm -hmm. but it's, it falls out like genetically and in primal ways that you get into that. And it's like, men will want to fix women will want to nurture. Yeah. You got the bad baggage behind it. And then it turns into these kinds of the Amber Heard and the Johnny Depp stuff that just goes that way because Right. They have the, the nature and nurture working together and just big bomb. It's terrible. Yeah. That's why I say I have compassion. I have compassion for both sides. And of course, Hollywood I, is a kiln. So it, it just yeah. makes things all that much more, and I, more and worse. I think, and if you look at the most successful relationships in Hollywood, you don't ever hear about any of this stuff. Look at like Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah. They've been together for years with no issues. You don't hear about that stuff. Well, you know, Pierce Brosnan and his Miss America wife don't hear about that stuff. They keep it all. There could, there could be lots of stuff in those marriages, but they've learned somehow how to balance it, gotten themselves out of the Hollywood like rat race and stayed away from the crazy stuff. I'm it's guessing hard. they it's, weren't it's a culture that's very hard sometimes. I'm so. guessing they weren't dealing with either one of them or both of them wasn't dealing with core issues. The type no. of thing that many of us, right, you know, deal with on, you know, right, just re have a good base to to be able to maintain a relationship. Yeah, yeah. and 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 you, you know, well, I think specifically of like comedians, right? Comedians have notoriously are reported as you know the famous comedians like Jim Carrey. Well, take any Robin Williams, um, Louis Armstrong. Was it Louis, is it Louis Armstrong? No, that's no, singer, Louis right? Anderson. Louis Anderson, thank yeah. you. Not the singer. Yeah. Um, um, Bobcat Goldthwait. They all come. They all report like in that they come from pain. They come from damage. Yeah. They call. They come from places where their humor has been their place to go for their. It sounds stereotypical, but it's too often true. Right. To to really deny. Right. So yeah. the, their humor is the way that they've dealt with it. And Bill, you, Burr, you, you, Bill Burr. You. Bill Burr. You. Yeah. Bill Burr. Oh my God. I love Bill Burr. I love him too. But, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but a disturbed individual. 
yeah he struggles with a lot of stuff yes and, and he in, and turns that. it into con yeah turns it into comedy right yeah. and 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 i think that um <laughs> the bit the bit i always remember is the one where he's going about where someone said you there's no excuse to hit a woman right he goes i can think of 41 of them right you don't do it but i right. can think of 41 of them which is by the way an extremely healthy way of dealing with right. that i think well, I well it's just it's just the same thing as people like oh my god people get all upset about that is you know people will tell me things and and i'm like well you know i'm just gonna kill that person and you know they're not being serious and you have to go through, as a psychologist you have to go through the checklist you don't really mean it well thought and act but you, I say, that's a line imaginary yeah. homicides happen all the time <laughs> yes imaginary homicides yeah. happen a lot and as long as it stays imaginary and there's no action plan because you that's your brain goes to oh my god i wish that you would just stop and just you know right because but it's a way of being able to not stuff the feeling down and sit on it and then actually you know when you see these shows this is you know these shows that are now out which also entertain me because i find them fascinating like snapped killer couples yeah. like all these things it's about people who have these issues that really bury them and instead of just being like hey i think we should just get a divorce or i think that we should just end this relationship they end up going i think it'd be a really good idea to kill the person and see how that goes yeah Right. Yeah. Because and you see over and over again, if you watch these shows, 2020 snapped, all these, they always have that theme and they usually start with a Florida man. <laughs> yes. You know, Florida, not Florida like man, the rest of us. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> it, it's it is. Kind but of that funny. disconnect. If, John, if John's listening, he'll always walk into the room when I'm watching like one of these shows and he'll be like. Oh, that's in such and such Florida because he's he used to live in Florida like yeah. 15 years, and he'll be like, "Oh, that's in Broward County." Oh, that's I'm like, yeah. "How do you know that?" He's like, "Well, <laughs> a Florida man, <laughs> a Florida man." But that that disconnect of that relationship between thought and action is so important, right? You can almost think whatever you want, yes. But what you decide to act on, and by the way, as we discussed, I think last week's show, that's processing, right? The difference between your thought and your actions, or that your thought and your speech, that's that's hopefully healthfully healthful processing. Well, and that's how you like work with people who have suicidal ideation. Yeah. It's the same thing. They have people have it scares people, first of all, around that stuff because people think, oh my God, they're having those thoughts. That means okay, it's normal for everybody to have those fleeting thoughts, especially in your youth, like mm -hmm. growing up years. Yeah. Because it's it's a it's kind of a rite of passage in your thought process, logical, abstract reasoning of like, what would it be like if, you know, especially with kids, you know, trying to figure out who they are in their early teens. I think I've almost all teenagers I've talked to talk to me about death, death, dying. Why am I here? That's part of that developmental process of like thinking about it. And in the early 20s and, and 30s, and then it starts kind of dissipating. I mean, the highest level of suicide rate, oh, speaking of which, and I know we're getting ready to run out of time, but there's that's another mental health issue that's so important. Naomi Judd, I mean, what a sad thing, you know, that she- you That know, was suicide? She, she um, killed herself two weeks ago, shot herself in oh, the head. I didn't realize that was suicide. Oh, yeah. I, she, I saw the headline. Yeah, but, she yeah. killed herself. Yeah. Shot herself. Um, 76 years old, has been fighting hard for- she grew up with some trauma, had yep. some, uh, you know, she and she was very outward about mental health issues and depression and anxiety and how hard it is and how you keep going. And and, you know, it's that's it's that same kind of thing is like, you know, are you making people aware of it to help people? Are you making it what you know, what are you putting it out there for? And she it was a very sad case because she had the she had the thought process going in her head all the time. 
which isn't typical. Usually people get it in their head and it, and it leaves and people don't have active plans. They might have like, oh yeah, whatever. I yeah. wish that today I just thought, you know, but they don't have that kind of thing. And it's, that's a real mental health issue. Not that someone's crazy because people say, oh, that's crazy. No. People get so helpless and hopeless and hopelessness is the hallmarks um, symptom of when people really are at the end because they can't generate an alternative to how to see it that they could be still in this world. Mm -hmm. So sort of likening it to the desperation that Amber Heard, I feel, feels for yeah. this thing with him, I think with Johnny Depp, I think that, that it's all connected in there because, you know, trauma and baggage and childhood rearing and all these things that happen and lack of love and affection and seeking validation and all those things happen. And, and it, whether you're in Hollywood or not, it, you know, affects so many people in, in, in a variety of ways. But the best thing is instead of like outwardly going into the public to make a crazy show for yourself, get help. If you're a yeah. man that's suffering and you're in a domestic violence relationship and you're being abused, you know, find a counselor, find someone that you can talk to. Um, yep. There's some mandatory reporting there for sure, but you know, you have to find someone um, that you can speak to. And, and certainly women know, I mean, most of the hotlines and everything out there are for women. And if you're in a domestic violence relationship and you can get yourself to someone, certainly do that as a female. Again, it's hard for both sides because once you start talking about it, once you start reporting, it can put you in a dangerous situation. I mean, there's so many aspects. To I that. forgot about and mandatory reporting. That's going to thwart, thwart a lot of people. It, it's I, funny. I, it's it's intended is, to do one thing, but it's probably preventing people from getting Well, and that's part support. of the reason why people don't report. Yeah. Is because if they're if you're being you know that if you're if you're hurting someone else like I'm a mandatory reporter if someone's hurting themselves or someone else if someone tells me that they're getting abused I have to I don't have to unless there's something I don't have to like go running oh, around okay. but I have to do something about to protect it like elder abuse child abuse that mm -hmm. kind of thing like if yep. someone comes in and says oh I you know beat my daughter well now i've got to yep. tell on you so um, but if the child the child reports you're a mandatory reporter right yeah if a child yeah. yes if a child reports to me or a teacher Elder? or anyone in school or a coach or anything yep. they're mandatory for yeah. children yeah. yes so if they report but kids are groomed just as an aside kids are groomed a lot of the times to hide that yep. there i have a few years ago i have a case that the child when the parent figured out that the child was telling me certain things and I was starting to figure some stuff out and I, it wasn't direct mm -hmm. and I started to out it. Um, the parent locked the child down essentially from speaking to me about certain things. And, and it was, you could tell there was some, it was emotional abuse. It was and emotional abuse is really hard to prove yep. in court because it's covert a lot of times and it's subtle, but it's all gaslighting. So you have to come up with all the examples of you know, w what types of things are gaslighting and you have to have that because it's not the same as, oh, they have a bruise. Right. They and the problem is, obvious. the problem is children don't recognize it because they think right. that's just the way, way relationships work. Right. right. Yeah. They don't think it's abnormal. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so this was an uplifting topic today. Um, <laughs> so it's a, it's a fascinating trial from a little, it's it, a fascinating it trial from its own, that relationship standpoint. It's a fascinating trial to me from, social media and media in general and watching how people report and watching the power of it people engaging in this is right. fascinating 
Yeah. Well, and, and I think from the social media, I was talking about this with, with my husband last night, the social media aspect of it, you know, because I have the fascination with like the two sides and having compassion for both sides and doing my job, yeah. right? But the social media aspect is it's a way everyone's jumping out of the bad stuff that's happening around. And yep. it's getting so, I mean, it's Ukraine, right? Ukraine lost a whole, they lost a whole section of their country to Russia last night or today. And, yep. and nobody... We know about that. I know about it because I watch the news. Yeah. But that got a little teeny spot. But the Amber Heard trial is going to go on all day on 70 different channels all day long. And everyone's going to watch and it. And people are like zoned into that now for a variety of reasons. But I think for the social media aspect, it's because it's getting people out of their space. And a lot of people are still at home. Most people. Yeah. I also think it's a comfort from their own relationships too. Yeah. Instead of, see, we're not that bad. Well, I, and I think that oh, yeah. the social norming thing is definitely there. It's yeah. like, oh my God, look at, we, oh, we're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, yeah. wow. Yeah. You didn't take a poop on my bed. You didn't take, <laughs> and cut up raw meat and put it in yeah. some pajama and uh, such bizarre stories. Like, yeah. what? You know, but yeah. So nonetheless, everyone needs to, you know, get themselves help if you need it. If you do need any help and you are in a domestic violence situation, certainly you can reach out to me through this, um, through all my sites or whatever, and I can certainly direct people in the right direction. Um, there's multiple hotlines and national hotlines. For, Just to be clear, yes, for no other reason, a man comes to a therapist yes. and says there was physical abuse. Yes. Mandated reporter? Um, I do not. I do not have to report that in in the way not in the same way mm -hmm. they can because it's it's not i can it's there's there's some nuances to that it depends yeah. but it, you presented an al alternative i didn't think of for men who feel they're being abused either emotionally or physically yes and they don't want to go to their friends they don't want to go to their right. family they because it's shameful right <clears throat> to men in a lot of ways right <clears throat> excuse me but going to someone who's trained to support right that could be a really good outlet for people right. Right, exactly. But um, at the point where they're ready to talk to somebody for the first time, then probably not ready for it to become, in, quote unquote, in the system. Well, it's just, right. It's just yeah. like people, just like women who've come to me and have been raped and they know who their perpetrator is. They don't, they will tell me about it. They don't want to come forward because they don't want to go forward, forward with it because they don't. Yeah. And I can't make them do that. Okay. I can't, yeah. I can't force them to do that. And it's obviously confidential. So yep. by and large, people know, you know, when you start therapy, you know, you tell people that what you're having to tell and what you can and can't tell. Mm -hmm. And I think in maybe one case, the person told me who it was, but they'd already informed some, it was a college campus rape and they had already informed someone else at the college campus within the police department. So it was already taken care already of, in the but system, they still didn't pursue yeah. it. They, yep squashed it because they feared that you know that they would be dragged through the mud which they would yeah female both sure. sides get dragged through if you're being the victim you know it was your fault you you dress this way you're like that whatever it was right so anyway this was <laughs> well, i don't know what i'm going to talk about next week i'm sure <laughs> it, i'm sure well, another week of the trial i was gonna say oh we're gonna have at least a good another week of this trial because yeah. i'm sure there's lots more to come but um Again, I can uh, certainly put up some links for people, both females and males, to be able to reach out for any kind of domestic hotlines. Mm -hmm. They are very easily accessible on Google. Um, some are very specific to women, but there are multiples now popping up everywhere for men. And now I'm sure in light of 
Johnny Depp's issues. Um, I would imagine, I hope that they come out more because I really encourage people to get help. If nothing else, get help so that you don't feel like you're sitting with that alone and you don't feel embarrassed, ashamed and whatever on both sides. Um, And when you watch the trial, you can watch it from the side of compassion on both sides that, oh my God, they're both so screwed up. And also you can look at it going, oh my gosh, you know, what a, what a media frenzy for um, yeah. having an outlet for your own mental health. I just want him so to get another to movie as Jack Sparrow. Things. That's all I have. You what? I just want him to get another movie as Jack Sparrow. Yeah, they're not. he's not going to do that. I know. It's over. He said it's over. Well, and I we'll, believe him. Let's see in a year. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe another company will pick it up. I just think he will not do Disney. I imagine he won't do Disney, but we'll see. We should take a bet on it off the air. Yeah. Um, anyway, you guys, um, have a fantastic week. We will be back to end next week with um, our month of mental health awareness. And who knows what the topic will be because <laughs> a lot happens in a week out in the world. So um, you guys go out there, be safe, be good and kind to each other. Now I feel like Ellen DeGeneres. And, <laughs> oh, and, and have a that's a whole nother mental health yeah. issue. But, yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys have a great week.